Talk 1110-993-WBT. So you'll recall, back during the summer of love in 2020, the Minnesota Freedom Fund was set up in order to bail out people that were, uh, you know, rioting, looting, attacking people, uh, fiery but mostly peacefully protesting. And Kamala Harris promoted that fund. Uh, She was running for president or vice president, right? She was on the ticket in 2020. And, uh, you know, she helped to raise like $35 million in a matter of weeks, according to the Washington Post. Well, uh, we now have another example of one of the people that got bailed out from this fund has now been charged with murder. Not the first time this has happened. The latest example is Sean Michael Tillman, who in May shot and killed a passenger on a rail platform in St. Paul. Harris, vice president, promoted the Freedom Fund on Twitter during the George Floyd riots in 2020. The Freedom Fund executive directors, Mirella Seja Orozco and Eliza Darris, eh, I think, defended the group's decision to post Tillman's bail in a statement Thursday saying, quote, it's neither just nor effective to respond to violence by denying bail and preemptively punishing people who are disproportionately poor, black, brown, and indigenous. It is neither just nor effective to respond to violence by denying bail. Hmm, let's think that through. It's not just nor effective. Okay, let's take the first one, just. Is it just to respond to violence by denying bail? Well, let's see. If you engage in violence and you get arrested for said violence and they bring you down to the courthouse... Now, remember what bail is. Bail is designed to make you what? Show up for your court date. If you're a flight risk or something like that, that's what the cash bail system is supposed to be about, right? They're against the bail. They want bail. And this was part of the uh, defund the police movement as well, the Black Lives Matter movement. This is also part of it. This is one of the other prongs to their strategy. One is defunding the police. The other is, quote, bail reform. Get rid of the cash bail system. So you can do something, get arrested, and as long as you promise to appear in, at, at, at trial, then uh, for your first court appearance, I should say, before the trial, your first appearance in front of a judge, as long as you say you're going to show up, then they'll let you go. Now, I do wonder if there was, uh, and by the way, if you, and that, that's set by the magistrate, and uh, in North Carolina at least, and then uh, the magistrate, has rules that they follow or whatever, but the whole point is to make sure you show up. And uh, when you show up at that first court appearance, then the judge can actually order you held on a much higher bond. They can raise that way up depending on all sorts of factors that they look at. So I wonder if we had a speedier system where somebody who got arrested would then go immediately in front of a judge their first appearances were sped up. Let, like, let's just cut out the magistrate middleman altogether. Like, what if you do that? But otherwise, if you don't have a cash bail system, what's, what's the point of bringing someone down to the jail in the first place? Right? Why not just drag them in front of the magistrate, give them a court date, and then send them on their way, do the processing right there, and then send them on their way? Why do we even need the jail at all? 
Freedom Fund executive directors say that uh, this was neither just nor effective to respond to violence by denying bail. Okay, so maybe you can make the argument it's not just. But how about effective? Well, let's see. Effective. Um, You're downtown burning stuff down, attacking people. Uh, You say you totally will appear uh, if uh, when you get arrested, you're like, oh, I'll totally show up on my first uh, court appearance. It's like in another day or two. I'll totally come back. I just live down the street. And okay, so let's just say you're right that it's not just. How about effective? See, now here I would argue it's quite effective. (laughs) If you're out there rioting and looting and I get you off the street and give you a jacked up bail, you can't afford it. You're going to sit until the riot's over. I think it actually could be effective. So why don't we call it a tie? Huh? How about that Freedom Fund? Minnesota Freedom Fund? Let's call it a tie. You've not persuaded me. When reached for comment, they directed the Washington Free Beacon to its statement. Tillman is not the first person to commit murder after being bailed out by the Freedom Fund. The group helped free a man charged with domestic abuse last year. Weeks later, he murdered another man in a road rage incident. Oh, so I see your bail reform program is working as intended. The group also shelled out $75,000 in cash to release Jaleel Stallings, who was charged in May of 2020 with attempted murder after shooting at police during the Floyd riots. They bailed him out. Minneapolis, by the way, I'm sure completely unrelated, has seen the highest number of homicides uh, last year uh, since the mid-90s. Feature or bug? So I point out that Sherry Beasley's attempt here to distance herself from the defund the police. And by the way, you're not seeing any of that language being used by the media. They're not saying that she's trying to distance herself. That's because obviously that would be taking a position. But they always say that about, you know, Republicans distancing themselves from Donald Trump. Because that's what you do. You distance yourself from somebody, right? They love playing the game, defend or disavow, defend or disavow. So is she disavowing Black Lives Matter? No, she's disavowing defund the police just as a slogan. What? I just noticed the 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 pretzel nuts that Democrats are twisting themselves into now because of just the terribleness of the defund the police slogan and the policies that got attached to it. Look, I was up in Asheville at the time and Asheville actually moved in this direction because the Asheville city council completely Democrat and they are beholden as such as they are because of the primary system, the way they have it structured. Um, All of the city council members are beholden to the most radical element in the local Democratic base. And that most radical element are the Antifa-adjacent anarchist types. Oh, temporary anarchists. Once again, I feel the need to point that out. They're temporary anarchists. They're never true anarchists because true anarchy is like no government. And that's not what they want. They want temporary anarchy and then they can install a government with them in charge where they have more uh, flexibility to do the things that they would like to do. But it's rare you meet true anarchists. So that's who's in charge of the local Democrat base out in Asheville. And these are the people that, you know, rioted and attacked cops and 
uh, they got the council to defund the police. Not entirely, but they got them started down that path to the point where the Asheville City Council, about a year or so later, were like, yeah, we might need to pump the brakes on this stuff. So, no, I'm not crazy. You're trying to gaslight all of us that we didn't see what we saw, we didn't hear what we heard, that people on the left were not convincing Democratic lawmakers in cities across America to literally defund the police. Right? The the top votainer in the Charlotte City Council election, right, was a guy who was at the front and center of those protests, was he not? So again, it's it's one of the things that hacks me off most in life is don't don't whiz on my boots and tell me it's raining. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Uh, all right, so I uh, mentioned earlier uh, Braxton Winston. He was the Charlotte City Council member who, uh, you know, used, he parlayed the fame that he generated off of the uh, street protests. Uh, if I remember correctly, he I guess he did that with the Keith Lamont-Scott riots. Right, Keith Lamont-Scott, wasn't he the... Uh, the local guy that was shot by police after refusing to drop a firearm at a bus stop or something, right? He was sitting in his car smoking weed and cops sees him in there and then sees the firearm and they were there to like serve a warrant for someone else. And they were like, this guy's in here blazing. He's got a gun. Like there's a bus stop right there. Let's go. Let's, let's get him out of the car. And then of course he doesn't get out of the car and he resists. And then he takes the gun and he gets out of the car and then, raises the gun, and he gets shot and killed. And then, of course, we're all supposed to be outraged at the cops who shot and killed the guy with the gun that raised it up. And it was all on video, so we saw the whole thing, whole thing right? Somebody was shooting video of it, uh, I think his wife. And, but no, 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 we need to burn everything down, right? We have to have the riots because justice, right? What? Again, it, if you're holding a gun and you get out of a car with the like if you if the you get pulled over you get stopped cop comes up to the car whatever you have an interaction with law enforcement if you get out of that car with a gun like i'm sorry that's suicide by cop everybody should know that by now how do we not know that that and it has nothing to do with whether or not the cop should have gone up to you like just be smart here you go yesterday i gave you some uh, advice uh, you could use it or not. doesn't matter to me, but I'm a giver. So I gave some advice yesterday, right? Have goals, tell people what the goals are, um, and, and put a, put yourself on a deadline to meet the goals. And chances are you'll, you'll hit the goal and the people, when they find out about your goal, then they'll help you achieve it. Right? So th- it's just like a life lesson for you. Okay. That's one. Here's another one. You get pulled over by the police. First thing you should do is unless it's like pouring rain, but if it's pouring rain, if it's pouring rain, do the police actually pull you over? I don't think so. Have you ever been pulled over in a downpour? I've never seen a traffic stop during a torrential downpour, like a, like a, a frog strangler type of a downpour, you know, a gully washer. I've never seen, uh, usually police are out there working the scenes of accidents and stuff. So I don't think they're out there pulling people over in, in, the, in the, the gully washers, in the frog stranglers. But um, they, maybe they do. But here's my advice, unless it's pouring rain, roll down all your windows, roll down all the windows, well, pull over to the side in a safe spot, park the car, 
put it in park, shut the engine off, turn the interior lights on, roll down all of the windows, and put your hands on the steering wheel. And if you are a concealed handgun permit holder, when the officer arrives, uh, tell him that you are a concealed handgun permit holder and you are exercising your constitutional right at the time and tell the cop where the gun is in the vehicle. And your chances of dying in that interaction with law enforcement, they go down dramatically. Dramatically. So far, I'm, I'm 100% alive after all my interactions. That's, that's generally how I roll. Anyway, I mentioned um, uh, Braxton Winston. So this was uh, pretty interesting. There's a letter that has gone out to the Charlotte City Council members signed by a whole bunch of like local bigwigs and stuff like former uh, Mayor Harvey Gantt. Uh, former chairman and CEO of Bank of America, Hugh McCall, Jane Whitley, the chair of the Mecklenburg County Democratic Party, uh, Donna Marie Woodson, the chair of the Democratic Women of Mecklenburg County, a whole bunch of other people. And uh, they're calling on council members to make Councilwoman Dimple Ajmira the mayor pro tem, because apparently there must be rumblings afoot that Braxton may be making a play for this. I guess because he thought he was going to be the top votainer. And, okay, and this is what really hacks me off about this letter. And I get it. I understand habits are hard to break, norms and all. But here's the, it starts off by saying, in 2022, Councilwoman Dimple Ejmira was the top vote getter. Dang it, people. What a missed opportunity to implement votainer. Votainer. She was the votainer. Or you could say top votainer. I don't care. Just votainer, not vote getter. Vote getter is terrible. It's a terrible phrase. Anyway, she was the top votainer. Um, and so by historical standards, she should be the mayor pro tem. She finished first or second in, a, in 73% of all the Charlotte precincts. First or second. She So that's a lot of support. And... If you go back through the last 25 years, every single top votainer was mayor pro tem, except for one time when Julie Iselt, a first-term votainer, uh, she said, hey, maybe Vile Isles should be the mayor pro tem. So she made that request. But other than that, every single time someone finishes first, they always get votainers or they always get uh, pro tem status. Why would these people feel the need to put this letter out? See, I'm a big why guy. I like asking the why. Why would you do this letter? Because obviously there are machinations afoot to try to prevent Dimple Ejmira, the top votainer, from becoming mayor pro tem. Because this is what democracy looks like, right, Democrats? Uh-huh. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, also mentioned earlier, Kamala Harris. She of the promoting of the Minnesota Freedom Fund that bailed out people that went on to kill others. Um, as totally not a part of the defund the police movement, I don't know why you would think, Pete, that that would have anything to do with Democrats. That's a grassroots movement. That had nothing to do with the Democrats. You propagandist. I was just called that. A propagandist. Which, look, that's got nothing to do with this topic at all. Me. <laughs> uh, that, I was literally called a propagandist by a leftist from Oregon um, who's really, really super interested, you know, in uh, North Carolina politics. 
I said the fact that Sherry Beasley had to say that she does not support defund the police shows how massive a mistake Democrats made during the 2020 summer of love. And now they're backtracking because it's politically unpopular. And this guy said defund the police was a grassroots phrase. You clearly don't understand true grassroots because everything from Republicans is top down propaganda. Who's the top, by the way? Is that Trump? Dude, I'm not even on Truth Social. I don't even know the things he says anymore. I don't. I don't even pay attention to the stuff that he sends out. You know why? Because he's not president. Spare me that he's really the president or whatever. I, like, he's not in charge. He can't get anything done. He can send out tweets. He can send out statements. I don't care. I have, I have way too many other things going on in the world and in the state and in the city and the county for me to worry about everything that he's sending out. I mean, I'm not CNN. Okay, I'm not MSNBC. I'm not all of the major media outlets that apparently need him to drive all of their coverage. I do not. Um, so I'm not really sure who the top down is, but defund the police. This idiot named Chris uh, on the Twitter machine says uh, that was a grassroots phrase. And so I clearly don't understand true grassroots because everything is uh, top down. Yeah, but like uh, the Tea Party, of course. That was a true grassroots movement. Occupy Wall Street? Not so much. And I know that. You know how I know that? I mean, aside from the research into the national organization, but the Occupy Wall, uh, Occupy Charlotte folks, I hung out down there. Yeah. When Occupy Charlotte hit, I happened to be working at the time for what is now Spectrum News. It was News 14. And I worked weekends. And so I was down there on weekends. Because usually on a Saturday, when they send me out to go cover whatever the news of the day is, there's usually not a lot going on at Saturday at like 10 a.m. But Occupy was going on. They were there every Saturday because they were there every day. So I talked to a bunch of them. In fact, I was one of the only people that they would allow in to talk with them. Because after a while, they got really upset with WSOC for some reason, accused them of bias. I don't even know. I never care. I would go in and I would just talk with them like I'm with you right now. I would just go in and I would talk and I would ask them questions and hear their answers, record their answers, and we would have discussions. And I just kind of tapped into my old, you know, sitting around the dorm rooms, passing the doobie and talking about philosophy, man. And they just, they took to me very kindly. <laughs> anyway, no, they did. They, I, I got along fine with them. But I also recognized that there was structure there. But whatever, like this idea that, oh, defund came from the grassroots. Oh, oh, so it can never be co-opted like the Tea Party got, right? It can never be utilized by the machinery of the big parties that see uh, an opportunity to bolster their ranks. Oh, no, that would never happen. Look, even if it started as a, quote, grassroots slogan, it doesn't matter because it became something else. Here, how about this? Let me use an example. I'm not trying to offend here, but... Let me see if I can draw another analogy. You remember the Confederate flag <laughs> debate? I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not having the debate on the Confederate flag. But remember, right there, like people would say that's heritage, not hate. And you remember the response. I'm saying this like it was like a lifetime ago, although it does kind of feel like that. Remember the South Carolina state capitol, the flag of that? That does seem like a lifetime ago. So what was the argument? It was heritage, not hate. I'm not using the flag as a symbol of, 
of uh, of hatred or bigotry or racism or anything. This is just Southern pride, whatever. And what was the response, right? The response was always, it doesn't matter what it might have been to you personally or might have been to your family or whatever. The Klan used it. The, the neo-Nazis used it. They took the flag as their own, so you can't have the symbol anymore, right? That's what they said. And so now they're saying, oh, well, now defund the police was a grassroots thing, and so... You can't, uh, you can't just uh, blame all the Democrats for anything. Well, they adopted your policy. They adopted your slogan. And then they quickly found out, oh, this isn't popular. And now they're trying to pretend that they, they weren't. Anyway, so my only point to this moron from, uh, oh, you know what? I forgot. We could have totally have branded this segment. Yes. The Zone of Dumbassery. Chris Benz is his name. He's out of Oregon. And uh, he apparently thinks that I uh, do not know anything about uh, grassroots because he assumed he says everything from Republicans is top down propaganda. (laughs) Okay. So what else is he assuming? That I'm a Republican, (laughs) right? He's assuming that, that I'm a Republican. Just look, I've said this before. I am registered unaffiliated. I voted in the last Democrat primary in Mecklenburg County. Try to get that sheriff out. I was unsuccessful. But I tend towards more Republican policy because they are more in line with my philosophy. Now, individual candidates might be more or less so. And given the choices that I have, I make individual determinations for those races. But my philosophy is limited government. And my default is generally towards freedom, not towards GovCo. And so if you check that box for me, right, your chances are pretty good. I'm going to pick you. Now, if I only got a couple of options here and one of them is like, I want 100% GovCo control. And the other guy is like, I want 40%. Well, either I don't vote in the race or I go for the 40%. And that tends to be the people who would, uh, who have the, the R's next to their name. So that's, that, that's, those are my politics, okay? Limited government guy. Lowercase L libertarian. I don't care who you're stupping. I really don't. I don't care what, you, what your personal life. I don't care about any of that stuff. I care about the policy. I care about the, the way government interacts with its citizenry. I got into this line of work as a check on government for the constitutional purpose of a free press. And look, there are tons of people. They're going to call out Donald Trump. and They're going to call out uh, uh, all the Republicans at the uh, in Congress. You got... You have an embarrassment of riches. You got a bumper crop of talking heads and journalists that are doing that. There are not a lot of people doing what I do, I don't think, because I'd run into them by now. There aren't a lot of people doing this in North Carolina. The field, I mean, I think actually WBT at this point, I believe we employ probably the vast majority, if not almost 90% of conservative talk hosts who focus on national, state, and local issues. Seriously. Most other radio stations do not have more than, like, one host. BT is an anomaly. And I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. So, uh, but th- th- those are my politics. And so this idiot uh, says, I'm aggressively trying to conflate a few Democrats, he says, with all Democrats. You're a propagandist. For example of how wrong you are during the summer of love which he used my branding on that, by the way, so I'll take the win on that. Uh, We approved an additional $5 million to the 
High Guard Police, a suburb of Portland, Oregon. Fit that in your narrative. Oh, so congratulations. Here you go. Chris Benz has found a town in Oregon that increased its police budget during the riots. And so, therefore, every single Democrat that got on board with the defund the police rhetoric is to be ignored because the town of Tigard increased their budget. Pay no attention to Minneapolis, New York, Seattle, Asheville. Pay no attention to all of these other cities that did the opposite. And I'm the propagandist. feel bad i mean just a little bit not, i mean not a lot but i kind of feel a little bit bad sometimes when i when i i catch one of these dumbasses in my net and like i and this I, like this one was he he was a keeper you don't throw this one back so you catch him in the net and and then you just kind of you know you just turn the masses on him <laughs> and i kind of feel bad but look if you come looking for a fight i'm your huckleberry uh, yeah, absolutely. You want you you want to come at me, bro? That's fine. And then you get the treatment. That's all. Um, all right. So you should really follow me on Twitter. It is fun. So uh, you could be one of the sharks swimming, waiting for the chum in the water. Uh, speaking of the vice president, the Veep. You ever watch that show, Veep? She really is. Kamala Harris is Louis, uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus. She really is from that show. So. She has asked this question from Fox News, a Fox News producer. The other day, she was at some event here, and uh, Fox News producer tossed out a question about, hey, who's paying for the student debt cancellation? You've probably heard the soundbite. I think we have had it in the uh, newscast throughout the day. And uh, Karen Townsend at HotAir.com points out that uh, Harris cannot answer the question on who pays for the cancellation. Now, to be fair... Harris really can't answer questions on any subject. So, you know, failing to even try to answer this one is kind of par for the course. But it is a fair question to ask her. Why? Glad you asked. Because she was reportedly the one who convinced Biden to take the unconstitutional and likely illegal action. She teamed up with Chuck Schumer and Elizabeth Warren, maybe even Senator Warnock from Georgia, to encourage Biden to fulfill his campaign pledge, right, and buy off the youth, I'm sorry, bail out the uh, college uh, loan students. Janet Yellen and Jill Biden advised against it. So he picked his veep over Dr. Jill Biden. Is he aware she's a doctor? Dr. Jill Biden told you not to do that? Well, I mean, it makes sense because she's a doctor, and this really isn't medical, you know. She's not a medical doctor either. Anyway, Kamala Harris and her husband, Doug, were making an appearance for the Artemis One launch in Florida on Monday, which did not launch. Um, and she she says something. She's like all over the place, like oh, a lot of the same people who are criticizing what we rightly did are the same people who voted for a tax cut for the richest Americans. OK, um, Karen Townsend, I agree with her. I've said this before. This was clearly a bribe for voters. Right. That's what this was. This was a a bailout. This was a bribe. This was a vote for me 
uh, here's uh, Joe clause or Biden clause or Santa Santa Biden, whatever you want to call it. Right. This was a let's throw some money around and hopefully they'll show up for us at the polls. The tax cuts referenced by Democrats, though, during the Trump administration, they actually benefited everybody. All demographics, all economic demographics got a tax cut. You might call that equality. But see, equity is not equality. So Democrats reject this. Is that a grassroots phrase? Equity? Is that grassroots? Or is that now permeated into the larger culture? I'm just asking for a friend. Um, Generous Joe extended a pause on student loan payments throughout the end of the year. The Department of Education announced a proposal that allows borrowers to cap undergraduate loan repayment to 5% of their monthly income. Both of these announcements add to the cost of cancellation. It all adds up to a really expensive voter bribe aimed at young people for the November midterm elections. Will the youngsters show up and thank Democrats with their votes? Well, we all know young folks. They're always so appreciative and willing to show their gratitude in so many ways. So we'll see. Young people are notorious, though, for not showing up to vote. Though Biden did increase their numbers in 2020 with his promises of free handouts. So we're going to find out. Did the promise of the coming handouts get people to the polls? Once you get them, now you don't show for the next round. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.